0: nudge
1: i feel like uh this is just you know part whatever of this ongoing discussion that we have on the nudge with like how does our how does a change in in occupation uh affect your writing life you know and Mm. affect your writing your writing schedule um because uh, I'm going to be starting work hours uh, earlier at this job than I am at my current job, and so the question the question being like uh, how to th- uh, how to make that adjustment, but then Matt was also bringing up like you know the first couple weeks of that of that adjustment. You know, how much do you expect from yourself but the uh, in terms of writing but then also um, bringing up the, the point that's really important for me, which is like writing is like a mainstay in your life that um, can give you a sense of stability, you know, in, in, especially in times of change. Mm. Um, and so uh, it, it, it's hard because you, you don't want to expect too much from yourself when you're getting tired out by a new job and a new place. Um, But at the same time, you want to, you want to feel stable, you want to feel like yourself. And uh, sometimes writing is the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, that's going to be, that's definitely going to be me the first couple weeks is like feeling like I'm uh, enjoying a new place and a new job, um, but then also uh, finding the time to to sit down and feel like i have a regular writing thing going on you know
0: Mm. well is matt are you in the midst of that uh transition i mean you've now been at your work for a couple of weeks correct yeah i
2: feel like this last week was the first Normal week, like quote unquote, like because I, like I I started and like it was right away into Holy Week planning, like the the week uh, leading up to Easter, which is, uh, I mean that's like Super Bowl week, like abnormally busy and chaotic with lots of moving pieces. So that didn't really give me a sense of the rhythm of what the new gig was going to be like, and and then that then there was COVID I got COVID then in the midst of that and then uh was kind of you know isolated and recovering uh and so then that hopefully is not going to be a regular thing <laughs> <laughs> uh and then I went right out of that to a week where at a, a somewhat high high profile funeral or like at least a prominent a funeral for a prominent member of one of the churches uh and so that didn't. That was kind of also like its own special event. So last week was the first week that. Probably like this is prob- like, a week in the life. This is going to be much more indicative. So. I I think it gave me a sense of, what the rhythm could be, mm. and uh, so I'm feeling a little more. Uh, I guess, uh, yes, I feel like the transition has been made. I have transitioned to the new job and the new the new normal has arrived as far as that goes Hmm. with. Hopefully then that will give a little more writing space. Writing of new stuff has been sporadic Hmm. at best, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of one of those things almost like like exercising like boy well, i know I would feel better if i did it mm. but it, it it i'm also just uh yeah, i'm just not there mm. <laughs> so um mm. uh, but i think i'm i think i'm there now i've been writing more uh I think I've got a new Mr. Met letter just about done. So that will feel. When I get that out, then I will be like, I'm doing it! <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm living the life. I'm doing it. <laughs> That's the uh, look for that this week. That's the goal.
3: Great. All
0: right. I think those Mr. Met letters are just getting better and better um like the there's a density of thought in those things that's really really uh it's it's clear that there's more writing involved in those than you see in online articles uh yeah yeah that you know that it's like oh well you know you don't i'm not quite sure how they would go together if not in the periodical form mm-hmm. um and so as standalone pieces they're just like you know they have four or five different thought breaks of things that you're kind of mulling over and chewing on and then lacing together uh yeah yeah
2: i appreciate that uh yeah I definitely decided like yeah I, d- I don't work quickly enough to to like do like the online, weekly, Mm. new content thing. Like, but yeah, I think my niche can be like a slower burn, (laughs) more infrequently released, but with a depth of of thought. I think that's pretty pithy phrase that gets at what I'm going for.
0: Yeah, they're lovely. I, I think yeah. the, the 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 um I brought up the weekly publication thing to Joseph, my friend Joseph, and mm-hmm. it just kinda was commenting on the the fact that eventually I burned out on doing it and he's like, Well, I mean it was good for you to practice and kind of flex mm-hmm. and, and show that you have the capacity to use the that muscle. Um mm-hmm. and it creates something that you Uh, wouldn't have created otherwise. Um, But it does feel like you kind of go to the gym and you're like, I'm going to be a lats guy for a while. Like, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do lats and I'm going to do a lot of pull-ups. And you're like, I've never done pull-ups in my whole life. I've never, (laughs) I I don't lift up. I, you know, I press up or I do, like, I'm a soccer kid or whatever. And then you go and you do that. And it's like, well, I mean, I, you get better at it a little bit by the time you're done but right. by the end of it it's like oh god hmm. no thanks can't keep it up in the long run yeah it's not sustainable yeah
2: you got to build up to that mm. uh i mean if that's what you want to do
0: i think you have to find joy in it yeah. too yeah like, right right it if it's not fun that... yeah
2: exactly exactly yeah
0: but uh as soon as it
2: feels like like Oh fuck! I gotta sit down and I gotta <laughs> crank another one of these fuckers out. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs>
3: Mm-mm.
0: Hmm. Uh, well, Kyle, I, I, uh, you know, you're you're setting, setting up to move to Maine, or are you in Maine now?
1: I was, uh, I was just in Maine the last twenty four or something hours. Um. No, I'm uh, I'm still in New Hampshire now. Uh, I've got a few weeks left at this job, um, and then I move move at the end of the month. So I'm gonna start uh, start the new job June first. Um, so it all it all happened pretty uh, pretty rapidly once I got accepted to the new place, um, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to get back to Maine. I'm excited to have a summer in the state um and feel feeling more and more like it's a place that i was supposed to be but couldn't for some reason accept the fact that it
3: was so
1: hard because my i, I grew like i grew up in new jersey and that was my home until i was 18 and then Came up to Maine and spent a while there, and um, there was a process of feels like there's been a process of acceptance as that as my home, you know, capital H home. Um, and uh, it it it's tough because if you your if your family is in, if your immediate you know. Uh, family biological families in a place it becomes a lot easier for you to just kind of mentally accept the place as your home um but following up you know doing this kind of transplanting thing just a little bit feels like it requires more psychological hoops to jump through hmm. um more Bar like barriers of identity to break down and to build back up again um and more moments of insecurity you know to fall uh, like in traps of insecurity that your mind can fall into you know thinking like oh do these people you know these friends here you know they were friends i was friends with them at one point but are we still friends you know do these people really want me around Um, Is it worth moving here for these people? You know, it's uh, that's kind of the game that I've been playing the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, but now that I'm doing it, it feels very um, natural. And everybody's been accepting me with open arms. And um, so most like good vibes all around pretty much uh, for right now. Um, And I'm I'm. little tired with the whole moving process already um but i've gotten a lot of it out of the way and so in a a few weeks when this job ends I'll i should have a an easy uh an easy transition nice couple of days without work kind of like what matt had you know maybe like a week Hmm. where i don't have any work and that'll be a nice transition period that'll be my period of like sitting in a cafe in my new town and and writing and feeling like i've you know made this transition um and uh
0: have you ever lived in this town before no oh it's a whole
1: Uh, uh, yeah it's all yeah it'll be a whole new town um it's maybe 45 minutes south of anywhere where i have lived before Mm. Um, but there's all of these places within shouting distance of, of where I am, all of these friends that I have, um, whether it's Portland or the city I went to college in or the city I went to grad school in, it's all within basically like an hour drive. Mm. Um, So that, that's really, really nice. Um, and so to a certain extent, um, you know, I'm still establishing a new place in this new town probably going to make new friends in this new town and everything but then even if i even if that proves difficult or if i ever feel like i'm struggling with that you know i can take a short drive and be at a friend's place you know um, mm. which is great solace um so yeah i um, looking looking forward you know um and i'm i was excited on your behalf eric for um coming back to the states pretty pretty soon right like i don't yeah. know your 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 arrival date but
0: yeah we're uh we are heading out on um where our contract's about august 8th so three months to the day yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah go by quick i bet
0: yeah already seeing the days kind of tick by frankly i mean a little bit. Uh, uh, it feels kind of impossible to collapse what remains into the time that remains, uh, whether that's from like a um, getting the getting to accomplish some of the small things that we'd like to do around here, places we'd like to visit, um, to uh, uh, building a future building a plan for a future Um, cool uh, is that uh, we'll actually probably be in both of your necks of the woods as soon as we return Um, be in um, go to Montana for a brief thing and then head east uh, fly out to Maine Uh, actually we will be in Salem massachusetts and then uh we've got some friends who live in the the main area so it'd be cool to connect while we're there and then i I think we're gonna um train from boston to chicago um and hopefully hole up in chicago for a couple of days Um, oh yeah 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 uh so it'd be really cool, especially if we could get Tim to come up for a a day a yeah, day visit or yeah. whatever.
2: is not far from Louisville, so all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we have a hole if you want a hole up here, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, all right.
0: Yes, that'd be in September. Or or we'll be scuttling back. Um, we're gonna do a a, a short trip um, with my mom and brother who are actually gonna fly out and uh that'll be kind of our send off try not to you know blow the whole wad on going to all the places we'd love to see in Asia, but um a good chance to say goodbye to korea on a on a good note uh-huh. um uh-huh. rather than a working man's note um uh-huh. and then uh yeah and then we basically set off on a small it's like a month long uh check-in with the life we left in the states um at which point we land at my grandma's house which is kind of where I think things always restart (laughs) 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 you
1: um do
0: you know uh
1: do you know where in Maine your friend is
0: um I could drum up the name pretty easy on a a uh, fast brain moment but uh right now um, or is she's not oh, what's it called not clifton um something like clifton that's not right yeah. but it's within yeah. an hour an hour uh, maybe i don't know how big maine is so maybe everything's within an hour and a half <laughs> but uh, uh um, i think they picked us up at the portland airport and we drove okay. about an hour and a half north Okay, something like that.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, well, everything, everything that you would likely go to is an hour and a half away from oh, okay. Portland, probably. Um, however, you can drive six hours to the northern part of Maine. Like, there is that much state uh, to be in.
0: Are there people? up there?
1: Heard there's uh, there's people at the at basically the top, like the border of Canada and Maine uh but the entire like f- top 50 percent pretty much is just called the county oh. it's just like potato country you know uh wh- for like logging forests and potato country um I-, I actually haven't even been there myself because uh there's t- it's just astounding how little reason you have to, <laughs> to
3: go there um, <laughs>
1: and uh i I know a handful of people who are from there and who kind of transplanted down to southern maine um but there really ain't much
0: (laughs) how's that for a how's that for a mythic space though though yeah i'm like county yeah the county there was uh i
2: remember where i saw the little documentary guy that lived as a hermit up Somewhere in Maine for yeah. I don't know, twenty some
1: years. I, I I have a connection to this story. It oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. hermit. He uh. So I worked at a summer camp. When I was nineteen. Uh. Yeah, I I worked at this summer camp, and there was this legend about the hermit who lived on like the other side of the lake, and who would come and raid like the pantries of the Mm. different camps around the lake Mm. and you really just thought it was a myth and then it was the next summer that he got arrested Mm. and he made national news and it was everywhere and i was like that that's the guy who like (laughs) stole from our kitchen and then like the guy wrote a book i mean somebody else wrote a book about it and now it's like you just like see it on yeah you know i walk into a room and i'll just like see it on somebody's desk you know it's just kind of uh, absurd
0: he's the guy who kind of had like the secret cave in the rock right the super camouflaged little um, hideaway, and he'd been stealing from the Boy Scout Lake area mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Crazy.
2: Yeah, it was. At least from my. I remember, like, yeah, they got him, and he was, like, all up on, like, current events. Like, he knew. <laughs> like, he, he, he didn't. It was weird. He, like, lived apart, but, like, wasn't unplugged from the world or that. Like, he knew mm-hmm. what was going on. And. That's like I prefer to live over here like this, thank you. Yeah,
0: right.
1: So, kind, kind of Thoreau vibe in a way, because like uh-huh. I mean Thoreau Thoreau lives at lived at Walden, but like he was still like you know a, a short walk away from town, you know. He wasn't yeah. you know out in the out in the what in the real wild. Uh, so but it was more of like a, a lifestyle choice rather yeah. than uh more than anything else more than yeah. like actually wanting to be secluded
0: uh been thinking a little bit as as pertains like those wild moments of uh, doing a retreat of some kind um just we were kind of talking a little bit about um reestablishing writing habits as the black keys between the white keys of work or whatever. And, um, uh, I think I've had so much, uh, success in the past with stepping away and letting the writing ritual be the habit or be the, the, the rhythm of, uh, of the day, whether that's, you know, the time that I finished Ugo, uh, being at my mom's for a fixed period of time, um, or even like some of the like vacate not vacations, they were vacations, but like the traveling times in my life when I was uh alone and on the road and um doing three months to go here and there's a certain like creative uh summoning that happens in that being away from uh someone else's uh call to work or a call to do um their dream right something that I've talked about a lot with friends is uh, it's it's so rare to have a job that isn't following someone else's dream and um Writing is kind of one of those opportunities to follow your own in a a wonderful way. But um, as we come back, uh, thinking about, you know, is it time for another one of those? Because those do feel like such, you know, deep minds towards the creative self. Um, Because to a degree, some of it has been shelved in favor of this place, which is not hyper demanding of my um, energy um but it is fairly you know time restricting um and i'm 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 not sure I, I i suspect that it is time for uh like just hiding away a little bit and closing closing down um as a general feeling i've been uh, like i heard my own voice in my head which isn't a an, a frequent occurrence for me just saying the word withdraw, like, two or three times um, a couple days back. I, I, I like, uh, um, went to the gym, and I ended up in a pretty long stretch and got this series of really, like, kind of demoralizing or um, um, exhausting images of, like, a, a, a big lion in a zoo uh, big male lion just kind of like uh, kind of collapsing into that the the dust that the zoo always has it's like a like a crappy sand it's never enough sand to actually be sand it's just like sand over concrete and just mm-hmm. like um, both of it going down to like all of its elbows or whatever a lion calls its elbows um, and then just like the I don't know the especially like the big older male lions have such a strong like tendency to be like, how's it going to get, I know it's strong, but man, it's not like limber in the way uh, like a, a cat getting up to go to the window is. It's just like, that's a, that thing is moving a lot of mass. And I felt like that, you know, like the image came to me as I was stretching and I'm just like, kind of like going down to an elbow or whatever. And I got a second flash image of just like, A a low, long eroded mountain Like not a spiny peak Just like a fucking Just a brown topped uh, Like east coast mountain And I just I felt fine Like you know physically I was okay It was a workout But it's certainly something that um, Being here And working this way And even the workouts that I'm doing are not like um, jubilant. They're very like, you need to work out because your body otherwise will turn into a fat pouch. Um, uh, Because most of the food here is just like protein and fried food and a lot of like um, syrupy, um, this is cafeteria food basically I should say. I mean, it's not not Korean food, it's just (laughs) Korean cafeteria food specifically. And um, so I walked back to the, to the um, dorms and normally I just go straight up to the apartment or the the dorm that I share with Liz. And it was just like, I got struck on my way out, just kind of started crying because like got these flash images plus coupled with like the feeling of like, man, we're leaving soon. Um, And like got kind of hit with a lot of weird happy images of things that have that have been occurring uh recently and people that we've met who are you know I don't want to call them flash friends but because you know some of them have been and may remain close um but there is a certain like uh um temporariness to this place and in a way that there isn't where you can set down roots for a long time and so getting hit by that, and then uh, running back uh, to go up to the room and just being like, I can't, like, be around anybody right now, including the person I love the most. Like, I just need to, like, I doubled back down. I sat in a spot I've never sat just, like, next to the front of this giant building made of glass. Kind of, like, let the tears go for a little while and just felt like, man, I really just want to be alone right now. Like, I don't feel like I have been alone in a long time. Um, And some of that is just like, um, uh, when I mean alone, I guess like just like a deep walk in the woods would not be sufficient, but would be, you know, the right step. I would be moving towards it and a retreat of that nature wherein it's like, no, this is my task this is my time uh and i need to go into myself and just be there for a while i'm not trying to come out with anything particularly i just like um i i weary of doling out small portions of myself the the recent crop so to speak um i'm eager to do some infrastructure work and just re- remake something that uh that uh will make me feel I don't know, like, like it always does. I guess reformed, um you know, rebuilt into a, a new shape that feels different. It's a,
2: it's a little bit, I think, thematically what Kyle and I were talking about when you logged in, Eric, as in those seasons. Uh, and I didn't have like an answer for this, but it was just a, a pondering, like. Do you, do you hold on to like an anchor that you're like this this remains, I carry this through and like whatever is next, like this will I will build if not around it, I will build something that includes this absolutely, or is it just like build from the ground up everything is uh negotiable and i mean we we're particularly talking about writing like how does the writing habit fit into those seasons like do you uh mm. just that like come hell or high water i will write mm. x amount or for x time each day or is it like i will build a new life and writing will uh i, I will figure it out as I build
3: or,
2: or do I just not need to write now and I will build the life and then mm. uh, then I'll find how to write to, with that life
0: mm. or if writing is the child to be sacrificed at this at this altar then right. so be it yeah right right yeah or right mm. I mm. I, um, you know I think uh, in olden times Uh, It's been like the more I can let go of, the more complete the feeling is. Um, And there's something very uh, – there's obviously like a huge renewal in that. There's also a lot of um, learning to understand loss uh, in that like if I can make it more material – you know for me a lot of it means shutting down communication uh which is something that i uh is a sort of structure within my life that uh has a more real um form than i think i give it credit for a lot of times in that you know like we meet once a week my mom and i meet once every 2 weeks my uh when people write me a message they expect to hear from me within six to 12 hours before, uh, you know, they may send another follow-up. And if there's nothing to that, then there's just a series of contingencies and expectations that the society around me uh, uh, holds and that I've built for them and they for me. Um, And going into a period of complete renewal has usually meant, like, how can I shut that down? Uh, Because that's the thing that ultimately is me i guess or you know like defines my role in the community is who i talk to when i talk to Mm -hmm. um and uh and in the past that has meant like in the easy way is i'm going to a foreign country and i uh didn't bring my phone you know and it's everybody knows that eric went to wherever and that's all they know and there is the reality on the other side of that, that uh, when I get to there at first, I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to shut all this shit down? And then when I get there, I'm free to be whoever I am around all these new people who don't have any idea who I am. And then uh, when I come back, I can pick things up from a a zero point and say like, ah, I do want to reintroduce vanilla back into this. I do want to reintroduce mint back into this. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that like, along the way especially I don't want to blame the technology of the time because I think that there it's a choice more than it is a system you don't have to be a part of anything you don't want to be a part of um but I've grown more willing to take people and take things as like a permanent or as like a a thing that I will continue to try to do amongst that and it has made the the cleansing or this sort of like process of renewal of change a little less changey um and that like even in moving here like the fact that we continued the nudge while i was in a foreign country is like well it's kind of like i'm still executing on a part of the same life i was living in seattle just in a different you know it's the same computer screen three Uh people we sit here for an hour every two weeks or a week or whatever Uh um so that part of my life remains uh, steady and um, I don't I used to have gripes with that you know I used to be like no it's it's all or nothing like you need to mm. you need to go uh, you know like a a big old ayahuasca trip like you need to go dump everything you have out on a mat mm. in front of you uh, so that you can figure out what it means to be clean again uh, and then you can go back and pick up whatever it is that you're trying to carry with you because it's the weight of your life that you're holding on to. Um mm. and I think that to a certain extent there there is a um there's a sense of responsibility in holding on to certain things um that I have come to embrace a little bit and uh that I know the people around me appreciate um whether that's, you know, Alyssa being glad that I brush my teeth twice a day, which is something that I would probably let go of in a period like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Or my mom keeping up or whatever, you know, there's, there's so many uh, little things. Um, But writing, writing is, I think, uh, it, it, I never quite understand the fountain that that water comes from. So I don't, I don't, really I don't really question whether I'm going to write or not you know like you said the writing the writing comes back kind of unbidden um Mm -hmm. uh and I don't have enough of a like a daily responsibility to it to suggest that I would be setting something down you know as long as I have a pen and a and a Mm -hmm. my notebook it's kind of always happening or not I mean the process is right. happening whether it's just the thinking that goes into it or the um, the actual scribbling
3: mm.
1: there's a lot there I, I like my my one of my first reactions to hearing Matt talk uh, was the feeling that when i need to reset or when i want to reset i want to um i want to do that in like a complete uh, to to have the blank slate to have the complete bl- uh like blank mental slate i i think i I've, I've personally fallen away from um any hopes of uh material um blankness like i i've I, i've kind of i've i've gone on a, uh, a lot of like uh, trips and voyages that were supposed to kind of like material like wash the material out of my life but, and i don't really find that useful anymore you know uh whether like going to going to a new place or going on you know a long hike in the woods or something like that um It doesn't actually um seem to clear my mind i i kind of um i aim for more of like a uh state where i feel like i can mentally forget the thing the parts of my life but still you know go back to the same at the end of the day go back to the same apartment and be around all like you know all of my things that's not, that's not to say that it's, it wouldn't be helpful for me to kind of like, uh, do a material cleanse. But, um, you know, I just have not done that in the last few years. But that being said, um, with, with writing, it's kind of like, w- what I want, what I want to happen is to feel such a, um, to feel absolutely blank, like, I don't have to write or need to write or, or want to. Um, but then to uh to get to a place where i remember why i was writing in the first place and why i and why i continue to to do it um so and and really it it, it just comes down to it's a, it's almost like a muscle memory kind of situation where you can kind of uh wipe clean the front of your mind but the writing habit and the urge to do it is ingrained somewhere, and you're you can rediscover it even when the front of your mind has been has been cleaned in that way. Um, I, I don't really know how to properly express what I'm saying. i so I'm sorry if this feels like it's shattered in a million pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that that's a really great moment for me if that can happen and it's really hard to manufacture um that that feeling of becoming somebody if becoming somebody new or or moving on to something new but then rediscovering the old grooves of uh your mind and that writing is a part of you it's not just some um momentary uh fleeting desire uh it's it's something that has been going on for a long time and when that happens when you rediscover it in that way you're like oh this is why i've put so much time and effort into this you know because it's just it's always been i don't know my thing um whatever that means and uh and that's a it's a it's a moment of clarity for me to to rediscover writing in that way I think there's
2: uh, an element of writing that requires, like, openness and honesty and having access to one's openness and honesty. And that can happen even when we're not, like, mechanically writing, but if we are uh, and being open to the moments and the transitions of life, that's its own kind of muscle that we're exercising and our own kind of path that we're treading, so that when we sit down to write uh, like the the path between like our hands on the keyboard and our like honest observations and assessments is. Is more direct, so uh, I, I think that's it's yeah. So just practicing that is its own kind of skill. I say as a man who does not do that <laughs> well, but <laughs> uh, am always working on it. Uh, uh, this is all brought up, uh, well, a lot of a lot of my own stuff. uh I'm, like, wondering about the, like, I don't know, that's the nature of, like, retreat, what does that mean? Like, engage, what does that mean? Uh, I mean, there's, like, a physical aspect to it, like, physically I take myself from this room to another room. I physically move from this nation state to another one, like, uh... Uh, but one of the things I've had to learn, uh, yeah, cause as, as you like accumulate life, like partners, houses, children, or just like you find the place where you know you want to be. And I don't know, my, my, for, I don't know, 30, whatever years, it was like a year at a time. Like, and so if ever, like anything ever got bad, I'm like, well. 3 more months, 6 more months. Like I was always like but what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And then you know, I got to the point where uh logistically it's harder to run emotionally t- and like, I don't want to. Like I know I want to stay here, but I don't know how to stay here. Like I need to go somewhere. And so how to like, I'm like mentally and emotionally like like retreat and come back even though physically I'm more or less in the same place. And that's kind of sub one. And then lately I've been playing around with. Uh, is it even really. Am I really retreating? Am I going anywhere or am I just like. Uh, am I just here, but in a different way? It was not even like a retreat. It's just like I'm here, but I'm just here like this now. Uh. uh. And is that if that's taking a step back, so be it. But I'm, I'm starting to wonder if it's maybe not like I'm not. I'm not any less committed. I'm not any less invested. I, I'm 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 here. Uh, I, I, I'm not like trying to distract myself from here, but I'm just. I'm here in a little more passive stance now and a more quiet stance and 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 for you know for me as much as for anyone around me like can i and can we see that as like an engaged productive place even though it's still in quiet and
1: passive hmm. this all feels very um uh the um the uh, i'm sorry uh it's reminding me of a book by nietzsche called thus spake zarathustra you guys have ever um oh, know of you it mentioned? yeah yeah you know of it um it's it's about basically a man retreating from the mountain to the city uh back and forth and um it's striking this conversation really well because uh, it's basically an allegory for this motion between that that we're talking about that this motion of retreat and then coming back to things and being a part of the human world and society and then kind of becoming inundated with that again and uh, getting something from pulling back yet again and going to the mountain to the forest uh, and. Engaging in this kind of retreat, and I think about I think about how to do that while how to do that while being in the same place and and continue continue continuing to engage with social circle with your uh, supporting supporting your people supporting your community, um, but uh yeah finding ways to pull that retreat off without actually retreating entirely you know um whether it is just kind of the walk in the woods on the week on a weekend or um or maybe kind of what you're talking about uh that like kind of mental retreat where you be you enter a more passive state for a certain amount of time um and- Consigned to the fact that you might be a little less engaged with things for a while.
2: Is tricky, at least for me. it's Tricky than the cues that we send to mm-hmm. uh, the like pe- uh, the people around it. Because it's if I get up and like go somewhere else then the cue is Matt has gone somewhere else there he goes there it goes his body Mm -hmm. Uh, if if I'm just still in the same place more or less going about my same day there's no real cue to everyone else to be like this is where Matt is now Uh, so how to do that Uh, there's no I don't know. There's no rituals or expectations kind of in life that that sets us up. It's uh, something we have to build for ourselves with the people around us. Like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I don't know. You like a costume. I'm gonna put on my um my passive costume. Mm-hmm. Like if I wear my like uh, tattered tattered hoodie and oldest jeans that like. That's my pat, like that. That's the signal I, or whatever it is. But like there's, there's all these signals other in other places. But uh, when it comes to this, like and and how to send those signals in a way that communicates what you really mean, It's not like I'm saying, like, I don't like you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be with you. It's like just I'm going to be with you. But like this now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to. I know. I mean, I know I can come across as aloof and, mm-hmm. and disinterested and uh, uh, bored, or you know what have you. I'm like, no, it's an, I don't mean to send those signals. Like, I, I, let me put on the costume that, <laughs> the hat. That is there a certain hat I can put on that will be like, oh, I see. He's not disinterested. He's just
0: quiet. Mm-hmm. Like he's got that hat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Part of it is the fact that like, I I, I mean, forgive me, but I'm, I I am not here with you right now, you know, Mm -hmm. like not you guys in this instance, but in that circumstance is like, Mm -hmm. part of it is I don't want to be interrupted. like I don't want to be interrupted in my thinking. I want to be here. Mm -hmm. I want to be, I have no problem being around you, but you're not essential to what I'm doing right now. Um, and that is hard for people to take. It's like you may have experienced this in your own lives. The, the moment when you turn, you're you're in bed with someone, you've uh, you know, decided that you know what, like I'm gonna stop focusing on you and I'm just gonna read my book. That's the exact moment when that person wants to talk to you. And then if you have any interest in talking to them. Like you're interrupting whatever they're doing, and that is <laughs> society <laughs> that that is uh you know like the the ability to call on each other is um is an essential part of what we are as as beings, and yet there are times when I am desperate to not be called on uh, when all I want to do is just see this thought out. And no, I'm sorry, I don't know when this thought is done. Um, And I'll tell you by speaking. You know, I'll tell you when I'm done. And more often than not, my thoughts are interrupted by something, Uh, whether it's, you know, uh, a person or a bird. Like, it's just you don't get absolute anything for very long. It's just a world of dynamics. Um, And people... We, When we're around other people, we create additional dynamics by trying to anticipate and plan for what those people are going to do. And so we're constantly building these little, like, what could happen next or, or, you know, going after Matt's cues, reading into the cues of others such that, like, we're constantly aware of people in the same room as us, where they're positioned, how they're speaking to us by how they're positioned. And the truth is, is, like, there's times I don't want to talk. Like, I don't I don't want to talk with my body. I don't want to talk with my mm-hmm. mouth. I just want to, like, pretend like I'm the only thing around for a little bit. Just for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm asking. And doing that in a place of people who have expectations of you and who read your body language really well because they spend a lot of time with you, when you try and enter into that personal space that says, like, I need to be able to make a strange face in my own thoughts because I'm responding to my own thoughts to myself. Like I'm literally just using the contortions of my physical face to understand what I'm thinking about. You don't need to look at me and think, he's grumpy. You don't need to look at me and think, why'd you look at me? I am passing my vision across your body to understand the colors and light that are playing across this room. I am not trying to read what you're doing. I'm not trying to get you to think about something right now. I'm not involved in you. That doesn't mean I'm not happy to be near you, but I'm just a being in the same room as you. And Matt, you're right. Like there's like learning how to communicate that to people requires a lot of difficult like surrendering on your own part. Like for me, it comes down to like, I don't want to tell people that I'm doing it. Like I just want to slip away quietly, and unfortunately, mm. the people who care who you care about you most, when you start to slip away quietly, that's when they get most worried about you. Yeah. You know, that's boy, when they're they come. Boy, howdy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, I hear that. Yeah. Come on in. I. I. What's wrong?
1: Yeah. Eric, you said like. uh you sound like someone who's just been around way too many people for way too long <laughs> yeah. I, would, well, I was going i was going to
2: ask and i wasn't sure like it would be too... yeah just too like drilling down into eric like, have you have you ever had like yeah the same like you're in in somewhat uncharted water like you have this is rare that you've had like 9 months of like sustained daily schedule keeping people like that would fucking kick my ass like <laughs> like that I would be I mean I have 2 days 2 days of like talking to people I'm like get nope get me get me to my chair by the shelf like yeah when
0: uh, dude I mean I live in a dormitory you know I yeah. I share a single room with somebody who I care deeply about but then we go to work in the morning with the same people who I was in the dormitory with. It's like being on a fucking ship. You know? You're yeah. like you're like, Where yeah. where's the you know, do I have to jump into the sea? Is that is right. that what has to happen here? Yeah. To get some fucking quiet. Yeah. And well, it's on so the book uh, like a oh I'm sorry, no, no. No, 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 no. I'm just lamenting the same fucking point. <laughs>
2: Well that's but then like the retreat you have I was like the quiet, like let me just quietly and then if someone's like, Oh, what you reading? Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, when when I worked at a boarding school, I remember feeling that way. And then I I didn't share my room with anybody. So when I was in my bedroom, I was just on my back on my bed, staring at the ceiling, like I didn't, when I, when I was on break, I didn't read. I didn't do jack shit. I just laid there. Mm. And you just needed that time to feel like you were in, you were somewhere else. You were in a cocoon or, you know, on a, a ship in the open sea, just far, far away, you know. I mean, maybe this... Resonates
2: for as far as like bringing it to writing, Uh like one of the uh, in the last six months, like the people I'm closest with and and like my relationship with them, there's been a, some variation of a theme of like we we don't feel like we know what's going on with you. Like, what do you like? What's in your head? You're just kind of like closed off, and like one of the things i want to be like yeah read read my fucking essays like that's what's going on like i I literally write it and put it out there for the whole world to read like Mm. you you know (laughs) like that's Mm. what's going on like i'm churning through that stuff i'm 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 somehow sift i don't know like Mm. so that it which isn't like a fair response but like in my most tired I'm like what are you talking about like that's mm. all I fucking do mm. is put it out is is let people know what's going on in my head
1: I mm. <laughs> I have a a feel my my feeling is that um it's like we understand, uh, you know. I don't, I don't do this that much, but we understand that our writing is uh, used used in part for thinking, and that it's uh, a rendition of our thinking in a way. And yeah, if you want to know what's up with me, just read what I'm writing. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people in our lives that, even though they know that we write a lot, it's kind of like it's compartmentalized for them, so that. Writing is just this thing that we do, and that we should. Um, otherwise, we should normally we should engage with the normal social conventions of uh, portraying thought and emotion. Like, and they're uh, they don't they don't see the relationship between those two things. And um, if you were to say like, oh, just look at my writing, they might. G- their genuine response might be like, "Oh, I just thought that was something you like played around with in your spare time." Mm-hmm. You know, I did. De- uh, they wouldn't think about it in that um, uh, as a legitimate form of like expressing thought to other people.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I-, I laughed because like I, I'm
2: uh, here. I'm at forty-five, and I think I'm like this year is really the year, like. I think I need to learn how to normally express thought and emotion. (laughs) Just just like basically, like, I just think that's just a basic skill. Like I don't know how to, people have these things called conversations and they expect you to have. And so it's either like be hopelessly like uh, uh, the main hermit, like right on the edge, come in and forage and get what I need and go back Mm -hmm. or like, Oh yes, the normal conventions of thought and emotion—they have always eluded me. Like I think it is time to to figure that out a little bit, just a little bit.
1: I I, I don't think that we actually have that great of conventions, and Mm -hmm. a lot a lot of it is you know kinds of communication that you have to forge yourself with every individual person that you meet. So it's not—it's much easier said than done. Well, and I, I, yeah, I
2: don't know. like this is uh getting a little dicey in particular, but like there's something about having a a partner or an intimate or a close that knows you in that way, like you're that first. You're not like Eric, the writer editor. You're like Eric the partner and Matt the partner, like. And so I also understand when I'm like, just read what I fucking wrote. They're like, everyone gets that. Mm. i want to get Mm. like like that like doesn't do it because everyone who signs gives you an email gets that like Mm. uh so uh, god knows i don't have a good answer for that but that is its own particular Mm. set of expectations and uh that is its own energy uh that is in the mix that i I don't know. It feels like somewhat of a writerly cliche of like the writer that just needs to go hide from their family and, <laughs> and while they're working. And uh, there's there's uh, cliche for a reason. Like there's certainly that's certainly part of it.
0: I think that the result of the time when I'm away never disappoints me in the way that a conversation with someone can. Um, mm. There's, we were talking earlier about honesty um, as regards writing, uh, and I think the another word for me that comes up is tenderness, um, mm. that uh, uh, there's a way of slipping into a sentence and thinking through a thought on the page that is both of those things um, at its best. Um, and um, so often in conversation with people, um, those things are um, not given due time. And um, whether it's something as simple as falling into a conversation who really does, with someone who really just doesn't care about you too much and doesn't know you very well and so they um they don't pay attention to your smaller cues you know the more intimate you are with someone the more they can read you and the more the the less you say um carries more weight uh and mm-hmm. can give more um which is something that in writing i think we find almost exclusively is an intimacy because it's just a back and forth between you and the page. And um, when someone picks it up and reads your work, uh, they don't actually approach it with that same degree of intimacy. Like they would approach their own writing that way. But as a reader, it takes a while to fall into something like communion with the reader or with the writer. And um, so when someone reads it, a sentence that you've kind of sat with in the way that you've sat with your own thoughts they don't pass that time and then they can't actually pull what you put into it in the same way so though you've gone delicately put down these things that personally you took time to really come to they can't do the same drawing out and so the exchange is not one for one um and and that that doesn't mean that they don't have their own personal catharses, but it's not the same as a one-to-one relationship that a conversation would. Um, and so when loved ones read your work, the, the longer the work doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, you know, the shorter the work, it doesn't matter. It's so much about how they approach the work. And that's why, like, when you find people who read you and care about your writing, it's actually quite a different sort of intimacy than, like, just a friendship or just a you know a conversation buddy or even a partner like and that's why I think people celebrate partners who do read them carefully um, and not everybody has that, and I don't think that that's a necessary aspect of like a, a partner an emotional partner in a writer's life mm-hmm. um, you do need that person you know like I have you guys when you read my work I feel read you know I feel read in that you you know what I put into it. You don't necessarily you know, have every thought, but so often the way you respond to it can see the line of thinking that I was on, uh, whereas someone else goes in to experience it, someone who's been recommended it as a thought piece or who um, uh, is there to support you because they love you as a person, um, they can kind of, they experience it more like an amusement ride, um, Rather than you know, as a as a route on a map that they can follow themselves, um, and uh, I don't know. I I think that like the the desire, the itch in me to uh, step away, withdraw, retreat, um, has a lot to do with the fact that the conversations that I'm having with a lot of people are similar. To the to amusement park rides um as opposed to uh trying to follow a map together
1: well we can um uh We can continue this conversation but i wanted to ask you guys if we wanted to talk uh about uh i guess we we have these movie um pitches that are that are kind of like on our list of things to do Mm -hmm. um and uh i like the I, i like the idea of continuing with that project i also like the idea of uh, doing another writing prompt at in the near future I think just doing some uh, good old fashioned like workshopping or workshop style work uh, will be really good and interesting I, I'd like to do some writing that's not you know so- something more off the top of the head you know and not not writing uh in my novel so um mm-hmm. i uh yeah i, I and I think last uh when me and Eric met met without you Matt we mm-hmm. talked about three of our pitches and we have three remaining so if okay. we wanted to do that now I would be super down
0: I'm in
2: that yeah that works for me yeah yeah
1: yeah awesome oh, very cool and um we could talk- we could uh we could also like talk about yours, Matt. I know that they were just kind of like beginning some stories uh yeah, let
2: me see what you guys do uh I definitely wanna would wanna take at least a look. I don't even remember like, mm. <laughs> like, <what> the, like <laughs> I have a sense Should I remember I? liking I remember liking the project, I remember thinking these are fun Mm -hmm. i'm thinking these are short stories not movies but i could uh Mm. so but i don't quite it'd be its own kind of project to look at something that i wrote that i have no (laughs) (laughs) recollection of but why don't we i mean i feel like you guys did the work uh why don't we just continue what you were what you did last time and finish that out and then uh We can revisit mine later, or or they can just go on to live as short stories or something else. But
3: uh, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: you should um you should check out the one that we recorded just with us because we talk about some of the stories that were your ideas that we turned into. Yeah. Um, Oh, nice. All right. Into things. Sorry, I'm distracted. Looking at my, trying to find
3: yeah, um,
1: this in my email. I'm trying to find yours, Eric. I don't know where might have saved it. Uh, don't even know what to search in my email right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: let's see here. You found you found yours. I found
1: mine in my drive if you want me to and it's shared with you okay um, I can send you the link again though
0: I think I can find it and I'll send mine over I think they're on this computer Up there on this computer
1: what was the file called? do you remember?
0: mine? Yeah. Uh, no I'm looking it up right now uh three plots i think that that seems right three plots i've got it did you find the email
1: yeah it's called plot (laughs) (laughs) great
0: uh it's a tough one to find shit subject is plot
1: all capitals
0: uh, I'm gonna just send this matt. Did you find this?
1: I found plot.
0: Yep. Okay. I'm the only one who's not finding it So i'm just gonna Grab up my <laughs> pdf here. I delete emails so fast. I'm just like I can't bear a, a, a it was, inbox. uh, a clogging box
2: Saturday april
0: 9th So if that helps and I think i'm just gonna
1: All right, so we covered I think we're on It's Eric's turn. We covered Eric's first story, Rot, which was about, um, which was based off of your pitch, Matt, about the (laughs) farmer's market. Right. Um, Yeah. And then we covered two of my stories. So we're on Eric's second.
0: All right. Kyle, can we just do a quick reminder of what the stories that we covered of yours were?
1: Yeah, so um, the first one was the Cliffside Hotel, and that was based off of Matt's original pitch about the uh, world without power and a man obtains the last screenplay. Oh, that's right. Um, and, uh, and then there's a second story with a woman who is... Uh, trying to have like a career and and things of that sort, and they get mixed up together, and mm-hmm. I turned it into, um, well, I guess just go back and listen to last episode. Yeah. the <laughs> description of that. Yeah. It, get, it it gets crazy, and then um and then the next one was my original pitch, which I turned which I expanded uh, about a kind of like, um in in-game currency that becomes the next big crypto uh trend and these people who are playing the game suddenly find themselves in a position to obtain a lot of money if they uh if they obtain a certain gold producing item in the video game and so they're, they're kind of chasing after this in-game item um, and me and Eric had a really interesting discussion about how this story could turn into like, an in, like a brother-sister narrative. Um, a lot of interesting ways to expand it beyond, you know, this idea of the video game. The, the, the game kind of keeps on receding further and further into the background. Um, and I, I've actually had like a lot of thoughts about these stories since our meeting. I listened to the podcast episode and, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff that could be done with them.
0: Mm. Cool. Got just got one more. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll read first Kyle, then Matt close the Belongers down. Sure. Yeah. good? All right. Um, the prompt was a couple begin their second marriage by visiting salt key the tiny, barren island with only a few hundred inhabitants. A storm hits, ferries are canceled, services stop, hijinks ensue. The Belongers Salt Key is a small island not far from Turks and Caicos in the Atlantic Ocean. Its center is a large crater of salt in which the ocean used to rest, but which has since dried up. Cubes of salt were quarried from it by slaves, and now only Grouch, a lone salt-key resident, makes forays there. Bouncing through rough waters come Marguerite and Tom. On a boat they have commandeered, in order to reach the tiny isle. They are soaked by the huge storm they ride through, and their pilot, Manny, helps them attain accommodation, but will not return to Turks and Caicos himself that night. They undress and change into dry clothes, taking a dinner of nuts and a slice of cheese when it becomes apparent that nothing is open. This is good, because Tom is missing his wallet and becomes convinced it is on Manny's boat, though Marguerite disagrees.
2: They wake and try to find Manny. He untangles himself from the arms of Madra Caia, a feisty Spanish-speaking older resident. They search for the wallet to to no avail, and Manny says he will leave and check for it at the shop. Madra Kaea offers them dinner after Manny has left, which they agree to return for. They tour the island after renting some bikes, visiting the great salt core, which Grouch is scraping and bagging his salts from. They take turns showering when they return as Marguerite receives a call from her oldest son from her previous marriage, who comes out to her as gay. In Tom's assessment, the son is just confused. They go to dinner angry, and Madra Kaia serves them the entire time rather than sitting. A beautiful dinner, but she expects $450 at evening's end. They find a way to pay her, but by night's end are exhausted and sleeping apart. The storm
1: rolls back in. Despite the weather, Tom goes on a run. Marguerite writes a letter to her son that she crumples up. When he returns, they make love and are interrupted by a knock. Is grouch, who returns the wallet his son Manny boated through the storm to bring them also invites them to dinner. Despite themselves, they agree. Offers to take them diving first as well. They agree and boat to the opposite side of the island in a delinquent craft to find 15 other boats, to find 15 other boats are hunkered in a peaceful lagoon opposite the storm. Almost all of Salt Key's residents are there. Tom and Marguerite are relieved They they dive and, in doing so, come full full face to face with migrating humpback whales, mothers, and babies. On surfacing, they are offered watermelon, the juices of which, at journey's end, grouch washes from the boat with a hose. I I really love this. this pitch for like the the sonorous aspect of of it the prosody um and that being said i do not want to see the movie i want to read the short story you know like that's my overwhelming feeling uh obviously like could i'm sure it could be made into a beautiful movie but my first instinct is like why not just write this as a story because it's so the tone is on point um i don't really want i don't really want to see any of this because not not that much of it is very visual Mm -hmm. um the the salt flats I would you know I'd like to see I'd like to see the ocean but then the actual interactions between these characters I'm so much more interested in getting the very particular vibe that the narrator gives us by describing them uh, rather than seeing these two people at a table pissed off at each other or something like that you know that doesn't sound particularly pleasant to me um that's just my, my, my first feeling.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it. I, this is what I don't know enough about uh, names of in the movie, but like the right director, the right cinematographer. And I'm picturing like really like saturated colors and, and like really lush kind of, uh, photography and framing in which case that's like the scene of them at dinner of like the light just right like the colors the rich fabrics that they're wearing uh, like a a print kind of just off to the side uh, on the wall behind them that the third time you watch it you're like oh shit that print it's all watermelon like i didn't realize it like, <laughs> uh, uh like stuff like that like uh, i'd be curious about like what yeah what are the motifs that the the director mm. and, and
1: would carry throughout mm. that's interesting i i, I was picturing a much more tone feels kind of dry the the, the storytelling feel feel feels dry at moments. So I was kind of imagining a dry image, I guess, and, and uh, the colors very toned down and very simple and sparse. Um, perha- perhaps in order to tell this story visually, you would need something with a little bit more flair.
3: Mm.
2: Well, it, it could go back and forth like the it could be One subplot that is told in more toned down, and then another, like, you know, I think, Hmm.
3: uh,
2: yeah, uh, Tom and Marguerite, like, that's told with more lushness, the the large crater of salt, that's probably a washed out shot, like, Hmm. Grouch is there quarrying, that's washed out could play with like what happens when those worlds combine like you have this washed out grouch washing but then this pop of juices on the boat like
3: Mm.
2: it'd be interesting uh as that as the world filled out what what stays in the washed out place what stays in the vibrant place how do those go back and forth and that play with that tension Mm
1: -hmm. picturing sorry um i'm picturing the shot of the whales being a kind of a big moment in terms of um maybe a sudden a, a sudden splat like when the camera goes into the water it some reason it being a big moment like uh maybe we uh uh, i don't know everything suddenly being blue could Mm -hmm. somehow kind of strike us you know and really be a slap to the face all of a sudden uh, we're not hearing any you know every all the sounds are muffled and we're um hearing the the songs of the whales and um i feel like that could be stark contrast to the rest of the film and Mm -hmm. thus kind of portraying the emotional weight of the moment.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that that, it's interesting to think about in terms of mm, that, like the shot level detail of it. Um, The, I think you're right to, pose that as a potential huge jump. I think the dinner, you know, being like really tight shots on mouths chewing and dishes clattering and like the chaos of Madrakaya's house, like not even getting it as like any sort of pullback, but like just like you're on the living room floor with a bunch of like homemade blah, 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 you know. It's just this very, like, because it is a a, a barren landscape right a salt flat island in the middle of the in the middle of the ocean um that could be just like a thin horizon line right with two people sitting on a beach with no other tourists this isn't like you know coco cabana um but then to have these people living there and and not many of them um and each circumstance being like really tight chaos of like engaging with these people who exist here Um, But then, like, moving between those places is—and this kind of actually reminds me just of traveling in general—is the sensation that, like, if you're not at a place, unless you're in a city, like a proper city, oftentimes the in-between areas, the liminal spaces while traveling can be quite drab or very, like, who you know, this is— like, I don't love this. I, this is not eye catching mm-hmm. in any way. This is quite like, this is what they use as a soccer field, or, you know, like, the, you know, like it's just un, unrich. Um, and, uh, I think that could be cool. You know, I think that, uh, the suggestion to make it a short story is, is a good one. Um, uh, uh, and I and part of me wonders that um on the on the whole, like I don't watch movies like this very much. I'd say the closest that I get to narratives like this movie wise are probably like call me by your name, where it, you're like you enjoy the time between emotional conflict by like being on a bike through a heather field, you know, like um. Right that sort of um it just feels it, feel, it feels very european frankly um uh but th- that that sort of storytelling doesn't come to me very naturally or I, it doesn't like necessarily draw me to it from a a viewer's perspective um which is interesting why i ended up r- writing about it but um uh just to kind of close my feelings about this piece, uh, I definitely because I wrote the prompt for it. I definitely was expecting it to be funnier. Um, mm-hmm. When when I set out into it, I was like, you know, anytime you use the word hijinks, you kind of expect yeah. fucking hijinks. But instead, it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it it became you know a, a semi complex narrative or semi-complex relationship between two people who've lived long lives well before they've known each other, um, which I think is, you know, very interesting fodder, you know, and, and very relevant to a lot of people's life. Um, but I definitely was thinking it was going to be a quirky fucking island with um, uh, all sorts of weirdos on it, and it ended up being uh, quite normal.
1: I don't know. I don't know if normal is a word that I would use. (laughs) I think it's quirky, but not in the funniest of ways, you know, it's actually like this feeling of those kinds of places where you scratch your head and you wonder like, why are these people living here? Mm. But like, I don't know, people kind of live everywhere. So a part of you is just kind of like, I guess, you know, People just wind up in the weirdest places and there's always somebody somewhere Mm. and this is who is here, you know, and why did these people choose this as a vacation? I don't know. People choose weird things as vacations, I guess, you know, and uh, and, well, um, I think a part of a part of the mystery of the movie is kind of thinking about why this couple would choose this place or how that decision happened even though it, that's not something that you would want to be talked about explicitly mm. um yeah i i think i think you set you didn't set yourself up for a funny situation when you decided on like deserted salt flat you know <laughs> so it's very yeah. evocative and interesting but not not for a comedy
0: <laughs> my so a uh, small tangent or rather backfiller uh, my mom and her husband went to Salt Key as like two people. Uh, they were like two of 11 people there, and they go there specifically for the migration of the humpback whales because it's one of two places in the world you can actually swim with the humpback whales.
3: Okay,
0: yeah,
2: I uh, I, I like. Like the basic premise, of people live everywhere. Like there's all like mm-hmm. it's a good thing to remember mm-hmm. in life. Like, why are these people here? Because there are people everywhere. That's why there's people here. Mm-hmm. I mean, good to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, There's a great book. Go ahead. I-,
1: I ask myself why I live uh, in a, a place with such bad winter, like all of the time, every <laughs> every moment of this <laughs> months of winter. Like, why do we live here? <laughs> yeah I don't know
0: there's a really good book, um by John McPhee I think forces of nature, something of nature, control of nature, uh something of nature, and uh he just talks about people living in places where it's just like uh nature suggests this isn't a good spot um mm-hmm. volcanic landscapes uh mm-hmm. the the undersea living that happens down in Louisiana that like. We've basically, uh-huh. d- you know, dug out behind the sea in order to live down there. Um, yeah. Even the the like, in California where all the mudslides come down, um, uh, people will just build their homes, and then even though it, you know, every twenty years they're going to get torn down, they rebuild in the same spot. So it's interesting. He's he he looks at again the same question that we're asking, which is not just the fact, not the interesting objective fact that they do, um, but the why, like, you know, what, what, why would you continue and not go somewhere a little more amenable to your squishy pink body? Mm. I'm at City of Hayes. A train is stopped by the unfortunate suicide of an exotic bird dealer. Three women set up a surprising business aboard trying to recover lost time.
1: Okay, so I uh, apparently just abandoned the bird dealer uh, detail. I, I think I just forgot or didn't, uh, you know, glazed over that. And then I did not know how to tell this story in three solid paragraphs, which is the reason why, like, each act is kind of split into several paragraphs. So I apologize for that, but I just couldn't couldn't figure out how to do it. <clears throat> All right.
0: How do you want to order it?
1: I'll, I'll go first, and then um, you go second, and Mac can go third. City of Hayes. Three old friends are on their way back to the southern cities after a mutual friend's wedding up north in the mountains. Beautiful scenery from the view of a passing car. Women can't stop being harsh with each other. Two of them clearly used to be good friends going back to college. And the third woman is admired for for her style and wealth, not not for her sense of humor. There's the sense that the three of them will be thankful to finally part ways. The boredom of the of the ride demands entertainment and Shelley the slightly oblivious one, lets slip that she has Martin's old gambling set. They start playing a game of poker and while their attitudes towards the past and present continue to rub against one another, they find, they find themselves bonding over the course of the game. Some gentlemen, some gentlemen are eager to join, which works to inflate both their tensions and their joys. In the end, the men leave them a dealer's cut, which temporarily smooths everything over.
0: A sudden commotion. Somebody on board has leapt from the train and died. Strange birds are loose throughout the cars fluttering madly through the corridor. The train is stopped and for a moment there's anarchy. A man named Monsieur Baldabou reveals himself as a legendary detective who intends on solving the case. Meanwhile More passengers line up outside the women's car for the distraction of cards and gambling. The three of them are bolstered by the excitement, the money, the conversation. Time passes amidst the cackle of laughter and poker chips. Eventually the women grow tired. Two of them want to stop playing, stop while they're ahead, and sleep until they arrive back in town while the third insists on keeping it going. At the height of their argument, Baldobo steps into the car. He requests an interview with the three of them. One by one, he asks about their relationships with the people in the train, and each of them recount a warm memory they've had with the other two women, which appear as flashbacks. All three memories share in common the theme of games, of competition and winning, revealing the formation and subsequent healing of their tensions. This experience on the train has, in fact, been a continuation of these memories. Baldabo is confused and disappointed, while the three women return to their car feeling rueful and sorry for their behavior. They have an anticlimactic farewell on the downtown platform, walking off in their own directions into a city under stormy skies.
2: At some point in the future, the three women meet up for lunch at an upscale restaurant atop a high-rise, hoping to rekindle their spark. The meeting is on the rocks. They are each resentful of the lives the other has continued to live. Until one of them mentions those games played on the train the crazy suicide, and the absurd little detective. And they are joyous in reliving the experience. Suddenly a man rushes inside from the balcony, hair disheveled and eyes in terror. The pianist stops his aria and people gasp. Someone's been murdered, he shouts. A man calls for the doors of the place to be guarded. The killer couldn't have gotten very far. Three women look at each other in excitement and happiness.
0: What a charming little piece.
2: Oh, that gets at a lot of stuff.
1: (laughs) Oh, I like that. Oh, wow. Thank you.
3: Hmm.
1: (laughs) I I think that that kind of hits at what something that we talked about last time, Eric, the the sense of like, difficulty with writing these things that you you want to fill in the gaps and, and keep on writing in order to answer some questions. And I feel like here, I just needed to keep to at least allow myself a little bit, you know, I needed to put some things into words. Um, order to sound out what was actually going to happen, because it was such a it was such a mystery to me what was going on that i needed to uh i needed to explain some things to myself and see them in the words you know
2: i i i would pay good money to see what <laughs> the particular looks the three women have at the end like like mm. this the right the right actors could like just all uh, give just enough like it wouldn't be like bursting with excitement and happiness but it would be these knowing looks try, like uh, that would be pretty exquisite I think mm. just all leaking out with
1: the,
2: uh, opening the door possibility to what comes next but but we don't get to go through that door. We just know that it's there. They're gonna go through it.
0: It has a uh, a little bit of an Amelie quality to what, like physically, in my mind, uh, especially because there's seems like there's um, the there's pretty major sectioning, right? You've got this introductory scene in which they're just kind of watching it feels very separate in fact i didn't even picture them in a train at first just misreading it and and picturing them on a road trip south um or north i don't remember which direction they were going um and then realizing ah they're they're in a train car and then looking at the scene they're kind of talking they're having this sort of like growing awareness of how their relationships will will be and will end or not and uh and then obviously the uh, inciting incident as this guy throws himself from the train and all these birds go everywhere and so begins the case, the body. And uh along pops Monsieur Baldabou and um that he's revealed as a sort of um the absurd little detective. Um makes it even more exciting to imagine uh the uh like the investigation and i could see them being these like very staged like interviews with different people on the train who we've either seen come through the gambling room um having paired interactions wherein like you know the detective they're upright and like answering questions with the detective and then like slovenly and throwing chips at the table with the ladies there's just like a lot of heaven-hell elements and just kind of like people in the face of order elements Um, and then uh, of course like looking at like picking pigeon you know feathers off off the train wheels to try to find the blood traces and all this sort of stuff could be very interesting depending on how the camera could move because by my reading they don't really leave one room you know, the ladies don't ever leave, and so the camera, you know, if it's to be focused on them, would never have to, but obviously you have this um, alternative sort of, like, uh, anti-climax in that we don't don't find anything out, but um, reveal towards the end. It's cool. It's very, very cool. It's weird. Mm. It reminds me a little bit of... Um, in, like, the way I would shoot it, it reminds me of Patriot. Um, not The Patriot starring Mel Gibson, but a, a show that was out on Amazon Prime, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. It's called Patriot. Uh, one of the actors is the guy from Lost, John Locke from Lost. I forget his, Terry McGilliam. Terry, oh, yeah. uh, he's a dad in it. And it's about a really, really, like, um, uh, no longer interested in being part of the cia cia agent um who's just like there's no real way out for him but he has to execute on this job and it's very dark comedy um but fascinating uh fascinating storyline and uh very interesting uh cinematography as well shot in like uh luxembourg and uh, uh some really interesting places it's worth very much worth watching
1: well I will bookmark that for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I I'm just reading through this again. Like Yeah, uh, there's like the overstory and the understory and like the understory is like this question of like can we stand the lives we are actually living? And like these women it just comes a, seems like they really can't stand the lives that they're living and The the themes of like competition, comparing, resenting, like those coming up, and the only time, at least as from the information we have, that they're really content is when this like abject, (laughs) like abjectly terrible thing has happened. I don't know. I thought that that is just so particular to them, and I think so so broadly applicable to Hmm. to. The human condition, like, hmm. Uh,
1: I, yeah, I don't know. And it would be an interesting project to, uh, because ultimately, at the end of this film, it's kind of like it it could be seen very negatively in in terms of like. Human nature, like you said, like they're only happy when this absurd thing happens, or Mm that they're only they only feel brought together, they can only uh, forget their problems. Mm -hmm. Something so crazy happens, and but to to create a film where that's the ending, but you it's lighthearted throughout mostly, or it has lighthearted notes, and so the tone of this would be very particular and i mean if you got it right then it would be fantastic because i i love a film that has a lot of fun but then you know kind of maybe has a kind of devilish ending you know mm-hmm. that leaves you being yeah. like oh holy shit, you know like that's kind of harsh uh but i enjoy it yeah. you know
3: yeah and
1: that's a real accomplishment so yeah
0: burn after reading comes to mind uh, Cohen mm. brother, Cohen brothers films. Mm.
1: Any
2: Cohen brothers? Yeah, they that's, have yeah, that. Big, like yeah. Cohen brothers could do this. Yeah, French
0: French Cohen brothers. But I also yeah. think of like um, um, what's that Jamie Lee Curtis movie uh from way back when uh, kind of her, her um,
1: she not, could play one of these women. Yeah, there. she definitely could.
0: Um, it's from before True Lies. It's a. Uh, um, uh, it has to do with a fish called Wanda, a fish called Wanda. Um, fish called Wanda, yeah. Yeah, um, th- there's just like a, yeah. like a, not a metropolitan feel, but like a like, I don't know, the maybe it's just his name that's throwing me Bardebo's name, but uh, yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, a fish called Wanda is like yeah, it's like an international farce kind of uh, romp. Yeah. From what I remember, it's been a while, but yeah.
0: Yep. Feels rumpy. Yeah. Especially the end. Like, at, you know, the, the, I guess it's a restaurant atop a high rise, but like, I definitely could see like some interesting curved balconies um, and like waiters and so forth. Um, uh, I guess there's a pianist stopping his aria. So it just has this kind of like, not, not like, almost fake high society um like four-story european um setting
2: and there's something to like the playing with the tension of yeah that these women spend their lives in comfort and ideally like a comfort created to isolate and insulate oneself from like the abject terror of the world but they're so mm-hmm. profoundly unhappy in this like opulent comfort and they're only happy <laughs> when something really bad happens like the very thing that their whole environment is designed to insulate them from that's the only time they really feel and they would never choose to leave that bubble they they somewhat like they don't have the the strength or the courage or the vision to leave that bubble but they're just but when the bubble is pierced on the outside
1: they're like they love it yeah it's very telling that the two locations here are those like they're exactly those kinds of locations that you described there's the the luxurious train Mm and then the luxurious restaurant like they're the two places where they're built as bubbles and you're just uh Mm. bubbles of opulence and luxury and both of them are burst uh, mm. in the course of the movie
3: mm.
1: and, uh, and uh, what i was- pi- uh, I, I was actually picturing like I wasn't picturing our um for whatever reason or reality like I wasn't picturing this taking place in a real mm. city like i mm. in order to strike the tone and the uh the Not the atmosphere, the uh, the aesthetic that I wanted. I needed to mash together like as if um, continental Europe existed in a like California Mm -hmm. or some like mixture of California. So they were they were in they were going to a, a wedding that was in like the Rockies, and now they're on a train down back to the city in like in in like southern california and uh and but then like the 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 train and the and the restaurant are kind of like this old like old new york vibe almost uh in terms of in terms of that type of luxury Mm -hmm. um and for uh and nothing nothing in the prompt made me particularly think of something otherworldly but uh, as the tone and atmosphere came together in my head, there was just nothing that matched it in reality. And so mm-hmm. I kind of just had to make mm-hmm. something new.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. That's very cool.
1: Yeah, let's, I like it.
0: Let's, uh, mm-hmm. final?
1: Yeah, I guess like... we, might, we might as well finish it off. Do you want, want to just again? close yeah, it
0: down? It off. We, can, we can go quick. This is my least favorite of yeah. the, uh... All right.
1: I, i I've been like, I've been wait anxiously awaiting this one. I kind of love it. Oh, God. Just... Uh, uh it was uh, it was my pitch uh, originally.
0: Well, I, I just killed the. Honestly, well I won't I won't do any prefaces. Um, <laughs> I'll just read the prompt and then uh, we'll go me Matt Kyle finish. All right. That's um, good. when a long time assistant to an old vampire arranges for someone to perform the merciful deed of ending their master's life. All three end up on the run from a group of bloodthirsty vampire hunters who make their business draining wealthy vampires of all worldly assets. Vampires. I ended up calling this lifeblood. Dwayne Carnegie is an ancient vampire who suffers a terrible condition. Both of his incisors were forcibly removed by a Turkish mob in the 1600s. Now he's sitting alone in his enormous manor, spelled terribly wrong, supping with Thea, his assistant, and her mother Helen, with gold-capped fillers replacing his original teeth. He's just meeting Helen for the first time. They have a prolonged dinner which he picks at serviced by ghostly staff. Thea and her mother exchanged something without words. The two have agreed that the old man's complaints about immortality suggest a deeper satisfaction than he's willing to admit. And Helen, a registered nurse, who's more aware of of the life her daughter stands to inherit should the old man die, and because the girl's gone a bit cultish on her, agreed to offer the killing blow just before his evening blood slop which is a messy distracting affair unfortunately the act is interrupted by a knock on the institution's door a knock thea answers
2: the litigasts have sent revealing paperwork new rulings and death quality and count have rendered the messy work of keeping carnegie alive, an aesthetic and legal no-no. He is to turn himself in for immediate draining. All assets earned beyond a nominal human lifetime forfeit to the state. He is to be executed and, too, is in a somewhat oblique and frustrating twist, no longer interested in dying or ending his immortality. They spend an hour boxing up important material goods and sneak across town to hide away at Helen's quiet house mid-city. She returns to work as a nurse. Duane takes the role of a gradually weakening relative as Thea simultaneously tries to satiate his renewed desire for blood meals and convince him that death is, after all, quite nice. He is apprehended by local police after dispatching a litigast agent who manages to track them down. Jail is not pretty, nor is the brief court trial. The prosecutor is, naturally, a litigast, who convinces the old man to take a plea bargain, loads him up in a car, and takes him back to his original house.
1: has been turned into a hotel. Carnegie is sat down with a litigast head honcho, who explains liberally that it is time for him to go. He is staked, evaporating into ashes. The head honcho clears her searchers to find Thea and bring her in for a, a signing over. as She is the executor of Carnegie's will. Since Carnegie has been dusted, she refuses her signature. She stakes the head honcho only to discover, to discover them a very different kind of undead and flees through the hotel to its dizzying parapet. There approached, she transforms for the first time into a swirling cloud of bats. Dwayne Carnegie's last meal had been the bite she'd offered of herself, a bite that will somehow need to, be, to have been much earlier in this <laughs> plot synopsis to make sense. <laughs> I, I like the meta twist of <laughs> the commentary.
2: And <Yeah. laughs> we'll be commenting on it. So, yeah.
1: so, so my take on this pitch is that the, fir- the first act is chef's kiss. Mm. Just, I loved every second of it. The, the tone, the incisors, the Turkish mob of the 1600s, mm. all of these details were just so such an interesting take on what i was imagining originally when i wrote the when i wrote the little pitch um and i think that the second two acts feel drafty they feel like they feel like one plot line when there there needs to be a whole nother plot line maybe Mm. kind of like corresponding to it or maybe like an emotional development of uh, thea's character that simply just like isn't there it feels like this um all of this stuff with the litigas is kind of like the quirky backstory of what is happening and there needs to be something a little bit more forward uh and and real at the forefront but in terms of the first 30 minutes i'm i'm totally on board
2: yeah i mean the premise like a vampire who's had his incisors like I don't think I've seen that vampire story yeah. before. So I'm I'm definitely, definitely intrigued great by that.
3: Detail.
0: Yeah. I always pictured that they'd have to just like make really messy meals yeah, without the ability, yeah. like everything, like the, whatever the sucker part of the, you know, sharp teeth, they can still do right. that, but they have to like be slurping at puddles and shit like that. I mean, ultimately <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. use a cup, but there's something yeah. about like, You know like creating violent death in order to like because you can't you know know how people have that issue with like you know you you kill a kill a whatever to eat it and you're like wait but now i have to i have to get in there somehow and you're like looking at the body for like what the entrance is and anyway
2: yeah well if there's like some quasi-scientific like in order for the the vampire to like properly be able to metabolize whatever it is in the blood, it needs to be consumed in a certain messy way, or something like mm. or it doesn't matter, or it's just the visuals cool, but
1: like, <laughs> uh, mm. yeah i, I oh, go ahead. sorry, sorry, um I, I love uh I love the idea of the first thirty minutes almost being like a comedy of manners, you know, mm. it's like we have these three personalities, and they're all kind of playing this game around the table. And then all, all the vampire aspects are just kind of like, it's just icing on the cake. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. And and, and, interesting. and then I uh, I kind of in my head, I was imagining like, what if they don't get a knock on the door, but they just get a fucking letter that says like, mm. sorry, you're being liquidated, like, uh, and and they're sitting around, like one of them is reading this out, and the other, and there's like there's miscommunications, and people, one person isn't listening as they're reading, and they're like, "Do you know what this means?" You know, like uh, I, I can really see that scene unfolding in a hilarious way, and then they all pile into the car, and they're like, "We need to get you out of here," and you know, cue cue funny like road trip scene, yes. you know, trying to yeah.
2: This is the movie in which hijinks ensue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I I think I was like, they don't go back to Thea's life or Hannah's or or Helen's life. Mm. Uh, I think that they go elsewhere. I think they go and they have hijinks trying to hide this guy somewhere, (laughs) and then of course, like the litigasts just kind of know everything and are kind of omniscient, and they find them anyway. And it was all for naught.
3: Um, uh, guy. And then
2: as uh, a the theme guy, like there's a good thing about like, uh, this guy's, yeah, kind of bored with life. It's not the life he like. it's some, it's, some, it's less than a, a perfect vampire life, what with not having the teeth. But he still lives forever, but it's like this living forever in this somewhat less than existence. That's messy, and he's bored. But then suddenly, when faced with actual death, he's like, "No, no, 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 no! I want to live! I want to live!" And then it's the chase, the tension, yeah. Of like, no, yeah, uh, yeah. And then what? uh, But then also, like, he wants to live. But also, I I like the like uh, simultaneously like trying to like satisfy him and remind him that death is it's not the worst things and quite nice like that i don't there's some there's a lot of tension in there and like good like comedy tragedy dichotomy to be played with Hmm. Hmm.
1: i think that maybe kind of centralizing the vampire as the main character i was originally thinking like maybe thea is the main character but if if he's the main figure And this is kind of an ensemble movie between the three of them um they he they go out trying to hide him and he has gotten this new sense of life from running away from his would-be executors Mm -hmm. and so there's all this uh this drama and comedy gotten from um him trying to uh soak this like this this tension and this excitement for all that it's worth you know (laughs) unintended I guess that would be really Um, funny and uh and they're trying to just protect him but by him trying to soak this uh this excitement up he's putting he puts himself in harm's way repeatedly Mm -hmm. and he's like no i I, like i want to get close to death because i've i've realized that that is a way of like feeling life Mm -hmm. um and so uh that that could be this recurring thing in their hijinks of of them needing to rescue him and pull him back from danger and then ultimately ending with this uh with um, him dying and then perhaps, um, passing, passing his vampirism on to the as a, um, uh, as a way of, uh, I don't know a kind of metaphor for procreation or, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's uh, yeah. passing, passing the torch on to the next generation, you know, and kind of being, being okay with death or something or, uh,
0: yeah mm. Harold and Maudie
1: yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. i I think it need it needs to just be like dark and caustic and hilarious you know that's mm. the the world that I think this inhabits
0: Steve Coonan you know. as the vampire
1: oh, like... I was imagining bill Nye uh do you, um, <laughs> Messiah? he's in underworld. <laughs> Bill Nye? <laughs> no, um, not the science guy. Oh, I was
2: like I was Sorry. thinking the science guy. I
1: was like uh, that he's is a, a British guy. Place. Have you ever seen the the new Emma?
0: Uh, oh, movie. is he the guy in love actually? Yes. Okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I think
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He, is he is fucking hilarious but then he could also be a vampire. Because yeah. he is one in Underworld <laughs> and it's great.
0: Interesting. That's a good call too. Who is,
1: who is the guy that you recommended?
0: Steve Coonan. I think that's his name, right? Steve Coogan. Yeah, Steve Coogan. G G G sorry. Coogan. Steve Coogan.
1: Other Brit, yeah. Is a Coonan.
0: Steve Coogan. Oh, oh yeah. Mm. If you ever get a chance to watch The Trip, he is just like The Trip yeah he's i've seen the trip. yeah yeah he's deliciously a, a mean motherfucker <laughs> like he's just he's not like he's not mean to the point where you're like you you think like man fuck this guy but like i do want to hang out with him but like fuck this guy but like yeah. i do want to yeah. hang out with him like he's really funny yeah. but like it, it's just like a self-absorbed um uh meanness that yeah
2: uh, it was charming and right i liked him but like also it, you didn't want him to win whatever that like I, like you know, like this guy can't get up like he can't come out on top like that i don't want that to be the world and so yeah but like yeah it's not almost like it's not malicious he just can't help himself he just has a bad personality yeah <laughs> but he's also
0: charming and he plays himself the whole time so it's it, yeah, you're yeah. you're like is this who he how he is all the time like yeah. they're just eating at nice <laughs> restaurants in wherever they there's three trips or whatever, uh, very strange movie but also like um, yeah. I laughed I laughed a good a good amount mm,
2: yeah it was a good good movie
0: yeah mm-hmm. can we talk a little bit about what we want to do for future prompty because I'm I'm in the mood yeah yeah.
1: I my idea and I think that we r- kind of talked about this last time is maybe like taking one of these things that we've written and turning it into a longer piece uh my, my first instinct is to kind of more or less abandon the movie aspect and just write a short story. However, if anybody actually wants to go forward with a script or maybe maybe some kind of weird like script story combo, you know, um, I, I keep on thinking of a short story I read one time of that was basically a screenplay pitch, but it was conscious of itself as a short story um but it acknowledged itself as a niche mm. for a movie so you know there's some interesting ground that we can tread there um and i would be fine with that i would also if if uh you guys are not feeling excited or interested by that that we can go in just like new mm. new prompt territory you know
0: My thought earlier was that um, uh, I'm tempted to try the script. Um, I'm not necessarily tempted to try the script as script, but um, there's been something really good about the about limitation on these uh, Mm -hmm. that has made them that has just forced them into a position of like, oh wow, didn't know that would be what we would make. Um, And my my thought is just to practice dialogue. Um, There are any number of really good scenes, but if we set like, for instance, right, we did uh, three one-sentence things, then we did three paragraphs on three things. But if we picked one of these and said that each of us got—it's three pages, but only 30 words of it can be exposition, or um, uh, two pages even, to do a scene— that is that really really hypes up dialogue as the focus um would be an interesting where you get like stage directions right like martin martin enters um or something to that effect but just that like to tr- to work on something like that would be more difficult assuredly um i think uh that or but then again like i'm reading this um thr- this like world's best short stories i took it cuz it was 120 pages um on the train down to busan and they're not that good right they i'm not reading these stories and they're written by like our most famous writers um and this the brevity of them makes them very edible Um, in the same way that, like, our little three-paragraph things are. So I could see, like, okay, you have to do these stories in their entirety, but you have to do it in a relatively short time, you know, because my concern is enter one of these, and all of a sudden I'm fucking exploding out and having to write, you know, all this stuff. And not that I don't mind writing, but.
2: Uh, I, yeah, I could certainly benefit from the, a new practice of like you have to know where the end is. You, you, you can't keep like meandering <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah uh, you know not not that like i'll ever like end up writing like that but but just as a like yeah what would it look like for me to like yeah you only have this much to work with it has to end yeah in three pages, you cannot. It just has to.
3: Yeah, mm.
2: like that kind of discipline or just new way of un- unlocking a-, a certain way of thinking could be uh, at least novel enough for me to.
1: Mm-hmm. My my thought is either we adapt, uh, uh, either or. Either um, and and or we uh, adapt uh, a scene, or um, we simply expand three paragraphs into three pages. Um, i for some reason I'm I'm pr- uh, like I'm privy to three pages, but maybe that's because I haven't written uh, a script in. Hmm. (laughs) Years, you know, uh, and feel uncomfortable with it, but maybe that'll maybe that'll be good, you know.
0: Well, let's do this. Let's let's just do the three pager. Uh, pick one of the six that we've done, um, three pages, and then we could try next time to write one scene in dialogue from that short story. Because I think it would be good. I do think dialogue is an important element to, like, even if we're not doing dialogue as, like, as a script. Um, but it would be cool to just, like, carry this carry this down the line a little ways. Right. What are you thinking?
1: I, um, well, right now I'm thinking I have no idea which one I'm going to choose. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, could I, could I have City of Haze? I was so charmed by that one. Ah, yeah, of course.
0: I want to do. I want to do the uh. The video game one.
1: Really? Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, so are we? The what we're doing is we're gonna write three pages, and then next week we're gonna talk about doing a dialogue scene. Or, or let's just worry about the
0: case. let's just worry about the three pages to start. How's that? So we're turning three paragraphs
1: into three pages. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gosh, I, I, I really don't know what to do. Um. <laughs> think i i was i was uh i mean i was charmed by all of uh eric's stories but i i I was charmed in part because it gave me this ability to imagine what eric's story would be you know it allowed me to project what like the full experience would be and i don't want to be the one to you
0: gotta be the one kyle (laughs) that's part of what this is all about that's part of the difficulty of this is knowing that you're taking somebody else's, you know. Oh my
1: gosh. All right. I'll take, I'll take lifeblood. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I, I just have this idea that I'm going to, I'm I'm just going to massacre it, but you know, uh, well, that'd be appropriate for, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, yeah. if there's anything, you know, maybe it'll be a little meta there, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll it.
0: Thank you for joining us. This was The
3: Nudge.